Ace Podcast. Hey. What's the problem? What? With the car. What's the problem? Just get out of my fucking face. Who are you? We're still in the fucking car. What's it to you? It's my car. Now you're going to die. Blood and Black Rum Podcast presents Death Wish 3. Hey guys, welcome to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Martin, again, here with another episode in the Death Wish series. And joined with me today is my co-host, Ryan, from the moonisadeadworld.net. That's right. And as I said, today, continuing on our illustrious uh, Death Wish series, and we're covering the third chapter out of five... We're covering Death Wish 3. This one without a subtitle yet. I haven't gotten to it yet. No, not yet. But it does switch out no more Roman, no- Roman numerals. Yeah. This one's regular we just American got, 3. You know, just we're go- we switched to Arabic numerals. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, no, none of those Roman numerals. It's, no. You should I think they should have kept that going. That would have been, like, more impactful, you uh, know. I, I'll... I'll say this. I make it make, a, make 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 the three like uh Roman numerals dripping in blood. I'm a big fan of Roman numerals. I find that you're right. Like the regular number loses its impact sometimes. Whereas a Roman numeral kind of looks more important. It's like, wow. It's more eye catching. Yeah. Yeah. It's like makes you think oh. of the Super Bowl. Since when like when the Super Bowl like last year with the fiftieth one, they switched over to, you know, like, reg- regular Arabic numerals, it looks like, oh that's just fucking, you know. Now they're L-I again. Oh, they are? Yeah. Oh. It's L-I now. I didn't see that. Yeah. Because my team's not in the Super Bowl, so yeah. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I think actually last year with, like, just the big L would have looked pretty cool. Yeah, but no, because it's the 50th, so that's the one that yeah. we got to put the, you know, big five zero. People are, you know. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I'm a, yeah, I'll, I'm a big fan of the, the Roman numeral. I think that. It gives it lends like some something of importance because of like its old fashioned styling. Like when you're thinking Roman numerals, you're thinking like kings and things epics. Like, yeah, epic stuff. You're thinking like, hey, this could be the next Shakespeare. Ben- this could be the next Ben Hur. Yeah, and then when you get a regular three, a number three, this like, oh. is not as yeah. You're just ordering something off of a fucking Burger King's menu. That's right. Yeah, I'll take the number three. Is that what Death Wish Three is? No, it is not. No, no. I, I as we've alluded to uh, previously in the podcast, uh, I would say Death Wish Three is my second favorite in the Death Wish film by a long margin. And, and I said, yeah, I was, I was telling people, is Death Wish Two third? Because we haven't, I haven't seen Death Wish well, Four or Five yet. Well, as so I, I said before, really I don't sure. remember Death Wish Four and Five that uh, much, so I, I wouldn't so be able, right now. It's two, like it's like with when we were doing the Saw marathon, yeah. Uh, where after three, you're like, man, it's kind of anything goes with yeah. the memory. That's how with four and five, it's the same thing. It's a total memory thing. I know I have seen them, but it's and I've only seen them once or twice. And it's been so long, I can't be bothered. But I've seen Death Wish One, Two, and Three. So right now, two is number three because you can't really remember four or five. Yeah. All right. All right. Fair enough. Well, 
I mean, I think that Death Wish 3 is much more fun than Death Wish 2. I, I will say that. I don't think... Well, I don't think either Death Wish 2 or 3 are what you would call good movies. But you're right when you say that Death Wish 3 is probably the better movie than Death Wish 2. I think Death Wish 2, in a lot of ways, copies Death Wish 1. And it doesn't and it doesn't really stand out. And it's also really not... It's not, it's not as good as Death Wish 1 by far. It's... it's it's kind of dumb. It's in very a lot dumb. Of ways. It's and very dumb. And I think that Death Wish Three is is also dumb. But yeah, at the same time, I'm not gonna say it's a so like probably what you'll say. It's a so bad. It's a good film. I think this film knows what it is, and it's tongue in cheek. It, it's like because this is a very if you were to like write like like pick a film that's like a by the numbers eighties over the top action film, Death Wish Three is one of those, and I and I feel like it's so so by the numbers, so so ingrained in like that like time frame and like the cheese cheesiness too. I almost feel like you can take this as, like they're taking it tongue in cheek. Boy, I don't know about because that. because I I honestly don't think. With a lot of some of the things that are going on in this, that they're like, this is fucking great. This is witty. This is smart. I think they know what they're doing, and they know that it's going to be like that, and if that's what they're going, I kind of think that's what I'm. I'm hoping that's the case because a lot of things that happen in this film, just they don't. If they were really going for realism, there's no possible but again, way. But again, like I said, it's the '80s. What film during the eighties was like going like a more realistic like? Out? I I yeah I mean I think especially can, especially in the in the action genre. But like we were just thinking about RoboCop before you know we that's before sad. we started. I mean the that, that's I mean I mean that comes at three years later after this and that's a legitimate satire. Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, I think I think films like I I think there's a, a good number of films people would consider bad, but they're also in that so good like so bad that they're good type of thing. I think people honestly making that film too know it's bad, and they're kind of going for it a little bit. I think I don't know. I, man. I, I think it's I think it's up to inter. I think with it films is, like this, yeah. it's literally up to interpretation. I think with like for instance, one of the films most people say is so bad, it's the most marvelous film. We've re- reviewed it before. Troll Two. Yep. I think in that film you could tell they're trying. That one, yeah, you, you can, can tell. absolutely tell. There's some effort there. That, like they're legitimately trying, and it also helps that the director has come out and said and asked, like, that why he, do people think it's a bad film? And he's and he's very much against that. Yeah, and says that he thinks they're wrong. So in that, like, in that case, you can tell, like, they're inexperienced people. They don't know what they're doing, and that, yeah, they're legitimately giving it their best. Death Wish Three at this point. It's not like Charles Bronson doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Or even Michael Winter, because this is now his third Death Wish film. I mean, yeah. it's not like this is a new director or anything. So, yeah. So, I think... At this, I'm not saying... I'm not saying they were going into this. Like, let's make it so, you know... So, it's like tongue-in-cheek. But, again, I think they knew what they were... Like, what they were given to work with. And then just, like, eh, fuck it, you know? Mm. Do you think any at any point in this film... Charles Bronson gave a damn... 
I don't think so. It doesn't seem like it. The, so there you go. I think that's part of your answer right there. If you're a leading man, it's just like, hey, whatever. It's a paycheck. Yeah, but I mean, I, he could be doing that and, and actually everybody else on the film is really trying for something serious. Really? I, I yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone else really is. It's like, possible that Michael Winter's like, I want to make a third Death Wish, and Charles Bronson's like, "What are you gonna pay me?" And if well, do you think it's Michael? It, well, do you think it's Michael Winter? Or do you think it's the studio? It's probably yeah, it's probably I, I, the I'm, studio. I'm assuming more it's a studio. Whoever owns the rights to this was like, yeah, and like, hey, you know who did the first two films? Michael Winter. And they're like, let's bring him aboard. And he's he's probably, like, I got other shit. I want oh, fine. Fine. You yeah. think at the time Michael Winner had other shit to do? He could have, but he's, I, I probably really... too bu- he's probably too busy doing... I don't think so. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. He just didn't have that much going on. But but maybe, you know, we can't say I, for sure. I mean, again, maybe maybe I, I'm, bi- I'm more than likely biased on this. Because I, I do enjoy this film. So maybe, well, it's, maybe I'm trying to rationalize why. I mean, I, I enjoy the film too. I just don't... I don't know if... It, I don't know if, in all honesty, it seems like this is meant to be tongue in cheek. I I don't I don't really get that feeling, but but is it? it is up to interpretation. I mean, you, and, and at the if, same time too, when you think about it, when you get to like third third, not usually the third, but like fourth and beyond, isn't that where the tongue in cheek? Like again, you think of like Halloween, yeah, Friday the Thirteenth. I mean, these are horror films, but I mean, like you think about like sequels for the most part. If they're coming like ye- like years later, and they're like down the road, and they've already done everything, then they do become self parody. You have nothing like all you have to do is like look at like you know Friday the Thirteenth. The other thing that you can think of though is that Michael Winter actually just stumbled into a a successful thing with Death Wish. You know it 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 could have gone off the rails, but it it actually didn't in that film because Death Wish Two is really a mess. Yeah. And that was also a Michael Winter film. And that one definitely does not feel tongue-in-cheek. It does seem like they meant everything to be super serious. But at the same time, I don't think they cared. I think Maybe. I think they tried, but at the same time, I think the pro- the, one of the main problems besides the fact that Death Wish 2 is a retread. Yeah. I think the other serious fault, as we discussed in our previous episode, and I encourage everyone to listen to it, is that they they just didn't give a damn? Because again, after the first death wish, after the first death wish, is there really a ne- reason to go back? No, and, and, and to to do another film? No, not not with what Death Wish Two does because it's the same thing. Yeah, there's no reason to go back to it if that's what you're gonna do. Yeah, so it's so the, yeah, there was no reason. You Death Wish was a fine standalone film, a very fine. Very well done, at least in my opinion. Ex- exploitive, vigilante film. Yeah, it was fine on its own. You didn't need a sequel, but again, it's all about it's all about you know. Can you squeeze the dollar amount out of you know name that, name recognition? That and, very well may be what Death Wish Three is. That this came three years after Death Wish Two. So again, it's not it. They weren't like back to back like. A year later, as you may expect, if there was some sort of like outcry, like yeah, we need another one, you know, the box office, what you know, was 
popping for Death Wish 2? I Probably not. If they waited three years for Death Wish 3, probably not. So, again, you have but to wonder... But it had to turn enough profit for them. Like, yeah. Oh, still... I mean, you have to wonder what the motivating factor was. It was like, all right, Death Wish 3. Let's let's make it. I, I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm sure it's just... There money. was some money. some money involved. So, yeah, it, it's possible. Because, I mean, if you to think about it, like, the budget for these films is like $2 million, and they make $15 million, you done pretty damn well. And that, w- that would warrant, you know, more sequels. Yeah. Yeah, this budget was $9 million. I'm pretty sure Death Wish 2 was, like, only, like, 2 or $3 million. Could and, be. And they made, like, five times the money back. I mean, if you if you think about it, like, $15 million today is, like, laughable. That's, like, don't even fucking bother. Yeah. I mean, then, yeah, that's probably, you know, again, you, more than quad- $2 million, you're right. Yep. Yeah. Death Wish 2 is $2 million. So, so, I mean, it doesn't really matter whether Death Wish 3 is tongue-in-cheek or whether it's meant to be serious. Because either way, it's funny. And it's here. Yeah. Either way... And it's not going anywhere. Either way, I, I will admit I had a great time with it. I don't think it's a particularly good film. But again, it is one of those films that you can laugh at and enjoy as a, like a, a, an action 80s film. Because it is very much an 80s film. Yeah. As... Or- Cars unexplicably just exploding yeah. for the sake of, you know, they just gotta explode, you know. Yeah. The, um, you gotta up the the uh, body, um, count. body count. You've gotta increase, like, the magnum. Well, he wasn't using the magnum in the pre- previous two films. Yeah, it was. He's using, it a, was a, he's using a thir- I think, a 38 and then uh, just a 9mm. Yeah. And in this one, it's a 75. Fucking ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, literally, they picked a gun. It's like, cause they explain like what a forty four magnum is, and then what this is. It's like they literally picked that. It's like, well, Dirty Harry used a forty four. Bronze has got to have something bigger. Yeah, cause he's a bigger man than Eastwood. Which, by the way, wouldn't that be a great death battle? You ever see those videos like death battle, where they pit like two like different like fictional characters against yeah. each other to see who would win? Dirty Harry or or uh, Paul Kersey. Paul Kersey. Well, just or you could just do Eastwood versus Bronze. Then. Yeah. Uh, you know what? That would be tough for me to vote for. Because I love both of them. And I, might, and I might pull for Bronson more. It's hard to say. He's you got the what? hair. You know what? I lied. It's going to end in a draw. Lee Van Cleef's going to come from that. <laughs> Lee Van Cleef's going to come both. down from the sky and kill them both. Yeah. Because that's a real man's man. Lee Van Cleef. Getting a little off topic on that one. But. That's alright, because... We're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear a word from a um, an associated podcast, uh, part of our uh, podcast network. Ace Podcast. That's right. Ace Podcast Network. Uh, we'll hear a little promo from them. You should definitely check them out. And we'll be back to talk about the beer that we're drinking for for this episode. So yeah. Stay with us. Hey there, Timmy. It's it's Bobby. I don't care. Oh, okay. Were you ever a child? No. Well, then do we have the podcast for you. Wow, gee willikers. Here at Turning Back the Pages podcast, we strive for excellence in children and young adult literature. We read and give in-depth reviews and overviews so that you know what's going on in the book and you know what we think. Burk, burk, burk. Shh, calm down, Brian. Who names their dog Brian? I do. That's just lame. Oh, sorry, Brian. Turning Back the Pages podcast has been rated by top scientists. Yes, I am top scientist and I agree with this statement wholeheartedly. 
Now, now, where's my check? So, Timmy. Uh, it's, it's Bob. I don't care. You should check us out. Oh, boy, where can we find you? You can find us at the Ace Podcast Network, along with several other really fabulous podcasts. Like what? Go and have a look for yourself. And remember, Timmy, keep turning those pages. I'm trying, but the pages are hurting my hands. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, Hopefully you check out um, Turning Back to Pages, part of our Ace Podcast Network. Yeah. Um, We really appreciate them uh, sharing our promo, and we're happy to share theirs as well. So check them out. Um, We're back to talk about some beer, honestly. Uh, We've been drinking one style today. For once, yeah. That's yeah. I mean, we don't normally do that, but we had a whole growler of it, so we might as well finish it off. Which means and this damn, one, which means it's damn good. That's right. This one you like a lot <laughs> more than last week's. This is a growler that still came from Browns when we were at Browns last week. Um, we ate a delicious French dip, French dip sandwich. Yeah, we did. We didn't hint at it too that after having the last one that this one was, was probably going to be a better selection. Yeah, this one is really good. I enjoyed a lot. Uh, it's the Chasing Suns Double IPA from Browns. Um, and if you're familiar with the Dippa, you know that it's very hoppy. It's double hopped. That's what gives it its name. It's higher in alcohol. Oh, yeah. This is about an 8.5%, I would say. Uh, I think it's around that. Not as high as last week's Old Ale from Browns. That was a 10%. And that one you could absolutely taste the alcohol content and the raisin. And Which makes it mortifying. <laughs> Martin did not like it very much. I could drink it. I could palate it. But really, I would never go for it again. That's not Brown's fault, to be honest with you. I, I, I didn't I no, don't want it to sound like Brown's fault. Because that is an old ale. And that's not something... No. That was our ignorance in not knowing what an old ale was. And that it contained... <laughs> generally contained raisins in it. I mean, to be fair, though. How many people are making a fucking old ale? Mm-mm. Not very many. It's, it's not... It's not a common thing. Yeah. So, so I've never so no. had one. You've had one now, so you know, like, probably st- stay away from it's like it's, it's literally like a stronger winter warmer, which... Uh, yeah. It's which, a... which which I'm not the biggest fan, as we talked about before, when we talked about winter warmers on here. Not the well, biggest fan because of its dried fruitiness. Yeah, if, if a winter warmer has raisin in it. It doesn't always have to, but... I'm sure most of the time it probably does. <laughs> so, I mean, that one was, was, was not... Probably our thing, but the Chasing Suns Dippa is. I mean, I like this one quite a bit. It's real. It is heavy on the alcohol. You can certainly taste an alcohol content to it. Um, I feel it. Yeah, I definitely no. feel it. Yeah. Um, we drain the growler. Um, but this one is a very. It's a hoppy, heady beer. Um, but it's crisp and refreshing. It's it, it's it is very hoppy, but at the same time, it's not overwhelming at all. It's very crisp, very refreshing, um, citrusy. Ci- yeah, citrusy. It's it's almost spicy too. Well, yeah, get a little know, bit of spice. Yeah, you to get it. like a fr- the fruity hoppy notes, and then like a spicy, like a spicy hoppy note yeah. to it. Um, it's pretty. It's complex, really. And again, ref- refreshing. I enjoy. It's it's uh, not Brown's hoppiest beer because they. Actually, you know what? I think it is. I think it is their hoppiest beer. I think that's what they list as their hoppiest beer because of its double hop nature. I don't think they do anything higher than that. I don't yeah. think they do, you know, like a triple hopped beer or anything like that. Um, they do have a trio hop 
that's here, just, yeah, but three, that's yeah. just three hops. So um, this one is really good, and I would definitely recommend it. If you like IPAs, yeah. Yeah, obviously, you know, if you're not into, like, the really hoppy, bitter beers, then this ain't going to be It's not going to be for you no, at all. No. It's not. But if you are an IPA fit, this is a very good double IPA. I, um, as you said, no, it's... It does have, I, I do enjoy the, like the fact that it's got like the citrusy hoppy notes, but then a spicy, like a coriander. Yeah, it does. It has like a heavy spice flavor to the end of it. Yeah. Um, I to go like along that. with the alcohol. So it's, um, you know, it kind of like mitigates itself. Um, very, no, I agree. It's very enjoyable. I like this a lot. Um, could to- I would totally get this again. It's a very good double IPA. I I do think that spiciness kind of differentiates it from. Yeah, it's a almost lot like of, it's like peppery. Yeah, yeah, I like that. It's good. It is good. You're not, you're not gonna really get that. Like a lot, a lot of double IPAs are very floral, very citrusy, very hoppy. So I think that like slight, you know, peppery, like you said, pepperiness would be like probably the best more than coriander. Um, very, very, like, it's very noticeable, but it's very good and, like, refreshing. Yep. To, like, it it, pair, it does pair very well with the hops that mm-hmm. they use, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's not overwhelmingly hoppy. I do like that a lot. We haven't had anything else t- today at all. No. Um, so. We're getting in that awkward period of b- uh, beer seasonals. Yeah. We're like not I, right, like quite into spring yet. But they're like, because I this was going to piss me off. Because you know how I said I thought the hop skate was like the new Sam Spring. It's not because you know what I just saw out cold snap. Oh, do they have the cold snap? So it's like make up your fucking mind. What's the see? We, ha- we have an ear- like, uh, we have a early. winter. We have a winter longer than like er- like midwinter, not like a late winter, and then we're gonna get like the noble pills probably for like spring. Why does winter get all of a sudden ten different? Uh, uh, well, the weird thing is that with um, Sam Adams specifically, like in the restaurants around here, they at least. They still have like Oktoberfest like that? No, they have winter. <laughs> but there's no like interchanging until the spring, until the spring where you're going to get um, Noble Pills. No, or Noble Pills. White Water maybe. IPA. I, I was, I'm tra- I, well, they changed their spring. The yeah, spring one, they changed so much. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the, like their spring seasonal is anymore. Is it Cold Snap? Is it the Hop Skate? Is it I'm going to guess pills? that they're going to go with Cold Snap. I like, would think that probably if I were to go to a local restaurant they, and they had Sam Adams on tap, they'd have the Cold Snap at this point. Or they're in the process of changing it out. Just, uh, I don't know. It's like shit like that. It's just like annoying. No, me. I know. I mean... We're literally not even through January. Spring seasonals. Are, that's not just them. Seasonals. It's not just them. But it's like a lot of people already got their spring seasonals out. I will say that with Browns, when we were there, no spring. Good. There was no like spring. specifically like beer that was springy. You know what I mean? It was more of like we're bringing back bourbon ales and whiskey porters yeah. and uh, espresso stouts. Yeah, there was are, no like sp- specific spring, which is good ale there. Which is good. I mean, their white IPA was coming out soon after, but I mean, that's that's like a good spring and a good that's a good intermediate beer for spring and winter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say that I'm. I'm getting to the point where I'm going to want spring eels, but not yet. And that may be because we've had some warmer weather lately. <sighs> Except for yesterday. This, is, this has been like the shittiest winter I can remember in years. It's been nothing but freezing rain. <laughs> yeah, it's It's weird. not even snow. Yeah. It's not even rain. It's, we just constantly freezing rain. Yeah. Enjoy the drive. Yeah. Sleet. 
freezing yeah. rain, stuff like that. It's weird. I mean, last year we didn't get anything. So to me, that's kind of a shitty winter because I, I, would I do that, at least like snow. I would take that over having to deal with freezing rain. I like, I like snow. I like it. I mean, I, I don't mind snow at all either, but like I said, if you had to make me choose snow, freezing rain, sleet, uh, I, I would choose the snow. Mm. <coughs> all right. <coughs> That's oh, it for me. the beer. I mean, yeah. we didn't have that much this week. We had the the new Browns chasing Suns dipper, but other than that, I've had nothing new. That's all we got. Yeah. Pretty soon we'll be going to the... Uh, the beer fest in Saratoga. It'll be fun to cover That's most of the shit we've had. That's probably a few weeks away. A month when, away. When is that? February 25th. 25th, yeah. That's right. So, so it's about a month away. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the beer of, the, of that uh, event is. Last year as it goes, we're going to see I, what they, uh, what uh, rare style they decide to, you know, drum up. Like, hey, we're going to... I always really like to, to go to that event because I like to see people going nuts like just drinking their their which you get like a like a four ounce glass mm-hmm. going nuts drinking four ounce glasses like at the beginning of the and you get three hours at the beginning of that and it's like you are gonna be vomiting up various beer flavors and not, not only at that the end and not, of like, the night. not only that <clears throat> outside of like whatever specialty style a uh, place has is usually an IPA so it's like good you know. Good luck just yeah. pounding for like three hours worth of IPAs. We've learned from experience. You take that shit slow. There is no need to rush through it because that is going to be a painful experience at the end. If you if you're rushing through, especially if you want to eat Red Robin afterwards. Yeah, there's there's no reason to rush through. You have three hours to just sip and partake. No need to rush because that's horrible. It, we've done that before. The first year, we kind of yeah, we did. We kind of went all out. We, no, we started off with Dogfish ninety minute IPA. And yeah. That was like bad ideas. What a terrible choice. Yeah, and because that's what it was made. Like we said, uh, the first year we went it was mainly stouts and IPA. So it's like you try our stout, or you can try our IPA. And it's like wow, what if yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's gonna be a long day. You had a lot of work ahead. Yep. I, I I can't wait. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It will be. It will be. Trying some new stuff. I'm gonna try to find me some pickled garlic. There you go. I haven't gotten it since the first year we went. I love pickled garlic. That was uh, great. I well, love they... um, like uh, green olives with garlic in the middle. That's awful. You don't like olives, so well olives are disgusting. They taste like hell. <laughs> no. Yeah. You haven't had olives with garlic in the middle. No, because. As as much as I love garlic, I could eat raw garlic. I, no, olives are disgusting. Green, black, doesn't matter. Disgusting. Get them away. No. Wrong. They're devils. What? Wrong. I, I saw people, like, I saw someone at work the other day, like, they brought in pizza from home and it had olives on it. I'm like, why? Why would you ruin good pizza with your fucking olives? Or I get, like, a, buy, like, a DiGiorno pizza from, you know, like a Supreme. If you get a Supreme, yeah, yeah it's going to have olives on it. Pick each single little bastard off. Like, no. no, no. Yeah. If it has mushrooms... Pick it off. Well, if it like, has olives, you pick both off. Leave no, it on. No, you pick both off. Mushrooms and olives. I they're gotta, both. I gotta disagree. Olives are good. No, they're bad. Unless they taste like tin, because they kind of t- taste like tin if you get them in a can. <laughs> You're gonna get. I think that's like anything that comes in a can. You get botulism. Tin or aluminum. Like yeah, yeah. yeah this, these peas taste like fucking. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. But a little off topic. All right. Let's talk about Death Wish Three. Let's get into it. Let's get into the nitty gritty. It's a great movie. The end. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, right. If there, if that was only the thing that we had to talk about. But there's a lot to talk about about Death Wish 3, to be honest with you. A lot to unbox. That's right. Um, whereas Death Wish 1 and 2 really centers around Paul Kersey himself, things that happened to him, things that happened to his family, Death Wish, Death Wish 3 is really not so much about Paul Kersey in that he's not the main target. It's really just the neighborhood. New York City, Brooklyn, the neighborhood that he lives in, and the the police force that he's technically vigilante working for. Um that's kind of interesting to me because it, it at least in this film it attempts to differ from the previous films. Like <clears throat> there's no there's no like Paul Kersey finds another wife. He has another kid. They're both raped and murdered again. Well, As, you know what I mean? It's well, not like there's love interest in this film is murdered. <laughs> yes. But but uh, that happens after. But I mean, Eric he's already it, embroiled. Say, and that's kind of his fault. I know, yeah, no, it is his fault. Like, he even admits like that it's, you know, yeah. his own fault, but you can air quote around his love interest because it's, yeah. it's the most wooden. Yeah. That's. On, 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 like, no chemistry to be found romance in, like, cinema history. We'll, we'll get to that later, I think. But, but like, that's. I kind of do like Death Wish 3, at least because it tries to differentiate itself. I like that. I find it funny that he, like, after 10 years, according to this film's plot line, he's back in New York. Mm hmm. After he was told never to show... Uh, yeah, don't come film, back. Don't ever come back. If you do, you're going to need to be arrested. But apparently, because in the last film, the cop that told him that's dead. I'm going to come back and visit an old war buddy. No mayors are around. Like, the mayor from the last time. Or, you know, police gone. commissioner. Yep, they're yeah. all gone. So, you can come back to New York. He's going to come back to New York and visit his, matter. Old, his buddy, who just who so happens to live in... A gang-ridden area of New York and then gets the shit beat out of him and killed. Yeah. And now he's got to take vengeance for it. I mean, I like, though, that, like, in Death Wish 2, we had to spend a lot of the time in the opening of the film waiting for Paul Kersey to be like, you know, this is my calling. I need to, like, strike back at these fucking utes. (laughs) In Death Wish 3, there's no, like you mentioned, there's none of that. He's already carrying his weapon. He's already ready. Like he's already ready to kick some yeah, ass. Yeah, he's he's ready. He 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 has he doesn't need. He's like I don't to, do that anymore. It's like no, bullshit. On on your drive to New York, you probably killed like three you know three yeah. Utes in like fucking Jersey City because they like looked at you wrong. Like yeah, yeah, he pumped my gas and no, he pumped. <laughs> you know I asked for twenty dollars in my gas tank. He pumped twenty oh twenty oh five. So he shot him for being a greedy bastard. Goddamn youths can't listen. With Death Wish 3, you can absolutely see that there's some political views in here. That Some? <laughs> some. some. Again, we have that idea that police can't really do anything. There's no... There's Yeah. There's no way that unless they have explicit evidence that somebody did a crime, there's nothing you can do about it. Which... We when we see in this film, that is absolutely not true. The police are not doing shit. We know that. But but no. here there's a there's a there's a message here that because the police are kind of helpless, we need other people, sometimes regular civilians, to keep the peace. Well not not only that, 
they say they, when they're doing like the first police briefing, they're saying like, "God, the chief's like, God damn it, I want results. What's going on?" And the captain talks. I'm like, "Well, we increased our patrols in the area by fifteen percent and put this many more men on the ground." And he's like, "So what's the results?" And like, eleven percent in, increase in crime. So it's like, so it's like obviously you're doing something wrong. Yeah. And not only, so not, not only that, it was right before that he the police chief was holding Kersey with no charges. Woodlands talked to a lawyer, violating his constitutional rights, and when Kersey points out, like, you're violating my constitutional rights, it's like, fuck you, I can do whatever I want. So if you know this jackass is uh, the gang leader, just hold him, you know, against his will then. If, you, if you're doing that to Kersey, then you might as well do it to him until someone shows up and like, hey, you can't do that. Yeah. And then you try to gather evidence to, you know, prove otherwise. But are you going to break the constant, you know, just be like, yeah, pfft. Who cares? Yeah, that's a big problem with Death Wish 3 is that it doesn't really have any, um, like, it, it has no logic to what it's doing. But at the same time, it's understandable because that's what people, like, that's what, like, people who see these films, that's what they want to see. <laughs> yeah. They want to see the cop, because that's what people, when you, like, oh yeah, again, all you have to do is, like, look at Facebook today. And, like, when people, like, people, somebody does something, like, kind of, like, bad, but it's not worth, like, anything, like, like, a severe punishment over with. What are people saying online? Fucking kill him! Hang him high! You know, he you know he stole that stereo. Hang him high! He's a lazy son of a bitch! Hang him! I got the rope ride! He, you know, it's like, no, that's not how American justice works. No, I didn't do it! So if you have, like, the cops saying, like, I'm holding you against your will because you're a scumbag, people are like, hell yeah! You do that! That's what we need. Yeah, I mean, it... Like, <laughs> Death Wish 3 has that sort of, like... Vigilante justice, where if the cops aren't doing what you want, the government isn't doing what you want, you set out and do it yourself. And it kind of promotes that message. Well, it's not even that. It's state-sponsored in this one. Exactly. You literally have the chief, after he takes Kersey in, telling him, because Kersey at this point is going by a different name. Yeah. So he could be, you know, uh, incognito. Kimball, I think is his name. Yeah, Kimball. Kimball. Is that he's going by. The cop already knows who he is because he was on the force when he was originally. And plus, it was national coverage in Death Wish. Yeah, now I, <laughs> I, which I find it funny. They're like, oh yeah, I was in New York when that happened. It's like, you have to be in New York to know about it. People, Time, News, like, every fucking like magazine, like publication that was covering vigilantism in New York. Yeah. You don't have to be from New York to know about it. Everybody would have known about it because it was fucking national news that some guy was just killing muggers in New York. Yep. So, yeah. so yeah. No, the fact he's like, oh, I was, a New York, you know, I was a New York cop when that happened, so I know who you are, and I like, you know, we, I know that we let you go, so I know who you are. But yeah, I agree with you. These people are scumbags. I can't do anything about because I'm a cap. But it's like at the same time, it's like you're holding him against his will, though. He didn't do anything. You're and they have like seventy different guys in in cells that yeah. they're holding against their will. They just can't afford a lawyer to let them out. They're waiting for a public defender to show yeah. up. But that's the same thing that happens to Kersey in this. But when he tells them, like, I want a lawyer, they're like, yeah, well, he ain't getting one. Yeah. And it, when he's getting interrogated, the cops are just sitting around. He's got him t- they got him literally tied up, and they fucking, like, smacking and berating him. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's no reason that, <laughs> in this case, the, the main guy that's terrorizing Brooklyn uh, in part of a gang who, um, you know, has been doing things, but they can't prove anything about him. His name is Fraker. Um, 
they can't prove anything that he's been doing. But at the same time, like if if they can hold Kersey, who really only stumbled upon a murder, <laughs> he didn't do any, literally anything else. If they can hold him, they can take in Fraker for like a mundane reason. I love the fact too that they arrest him. He's holding because um, Paul pulled out his gun then, and when he's getting arrested, like, he killed the guy. When you can clearly tell the man was beaten to death, not shot. They're yeah. gonna kill him, you know, when he's dead his gun. It's like, oh, good police work there. You yeah, know? yeah, just tackle the guy and, you know, throw him in jail. I'm like, yeah. like, open and shut case, Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think that the, the message here is pretty clear. It's a very Republican sort of harsh stance on criminalism. That everybody is, that is doing crimes, they're stealing from people, steal, basically stealing is equated to murder here. Yeah. yeah. It's a death penalty sentence. Um, but anyway, anybody who's doing that, stealing, raping, murdering, they all deserve what they get. And what they get is death. And they deserve that. Like, that is okay. But not only that, not only is it okay, Death Wish 3 says it's okay for anybody to enact that if they think that they, they it's, it's, it's fit for the crime. So if you see somebody that robs somebody else, it's okay if you murder them. It's okay if you shoot them because they deserve that. And there's an, an obvious political stance here. Which I find funny too when you think about because... Um... I think we brought up last time how the author of the original book for Death Wish was appalled. Yeah. Because it's supposed to be anti-vigilante. Right. And the, the first film isn't directly saying it, but it does support vigilantism. And it's, it, yeah, in a way, in but a way, it's not in a way like it super ex, explicit. You know, there, there's, there's it's not, things it's not that, super explicit because, again, at the end of the day, they let him go be, not because of... They're like they think it's right, but it's because like public opinion, and so so you, and in actual crime, yeah. is down. So so if they were to like arrest him for actually doing that, they would, in fact, probably increase crime because people would know. Okay, he was arrested because he was a vigilante, so we're free to go out and do whatever we yeah. want now. But I mean, but at the so it's a little bit murkier. But at the same time, the book was a very anti-vigilante state, but. The film kind of comes across as supporting, it does come across as supporting vigilantism, which the author hated so much he had to write a sequel to it to kind of like address that. But at the same time, like the movie makers, like, and Bronson himself says, like, I don't think the first film's, you know, it's against the vi- vigilantism. But then the sequels, it obviously, it's, it's clear. It's clear, it's a vigilante, uh, stands for vigilantism, because if it wasn't, then there wouldn't be sequels. There would be, the, there would be no need for sequels, so. Th- there's no way that Death Wish 3 can be considered an anti-vigilante film. There, there's just absolutely not, because the finale of this film involves regular citizens taking out their guns, which they have hidden away from the police, because we know the police have been tracking down illegal guns. And they're shooting anybody that comes on their property. It's it's totally a pro vigilante thing. Like if you, if the cops aren't doing something for you, you take your you take your own life into your own hands, and you you deal with it. It's it's there's no way you can misconstrue this one. Like I don't even know Death Wish two. No, you can't misconstrue because you, you can't really no. misconstrue that. No, because because again at the same time at the, literally the same exact. 
excuse me, same exact thing happens to him, basically. His daughter's kidnapped, raped, kills herself by a goddamn couple of thugs and utes. That so, one so, is still less explicit than three, though. But, no, no you're right, because that one's a revenge story. You can just say he's a fucking crazy, at that point, a crazy man on, on a revenge story. Because in the first one, he, isn't, he doesn't go for revenge. It literally becomes just a vigilante story. Where, yeah. That's where the, you know... Interest and I think um, purpose of both films gets you know kind of lost. The first film, I think, does a good job of something like a vigilante mis- uh, vision, but at the same time, the second one doesn't come up close following that because at that point, the second film with the people he goes after, it's a revenge story. Yeah. So it's not like oh he's being like a vigilante on the lookout for me. Nah, he's just killing the people who did this to affect him. Yeah. Um, the third one, it's the same thing. It's it's a gang within this part of Brooklyn. Who runs this neighborhood and kill? Because he comes. The whole point is he comes back to New York to visit an old war buddy. And when he goes to visit this old war buddy, just because he happens to be friends with poor old Je- Charles Bronson, uh, the gang breaks in, beats the little shit out of him, and kills him. Yep. And runs off. And Bronson obviously shows up there and sees his friend's dead. And now he's got to go after these sons of bitches. Yeah. And not only does he just see that, but he sees like pretty much every crime that ha- occurs within the neighborhood. neighborhood. Yeah, within the neighborhood. Yeah, and I mean that is—it's not only involving Paul Kersey at this point, but he's also teaching other people how to fight back. It's—it's it's almost like uh, like here's a a a person who has gone from like vigilante to educator. Like you can be one too. And not only that, like I was telling you, I didn't watch this film. This is like this. Is, John Hughes saw this film, took notes. Yeah, to write Home Alone. This is uh this is a more violent Home Alone. As you know, like hey, someone keeps breaking in through your goddamn window, even though it's ninety degrees out, and you say you don't open your windows because ninety degrees out, but you're still wearing a tuxedo. Here's how you like put a board down and put it like a nail at the end uh, end of it. So when a guy tries to break in, it hits the switch and the lever and hits him in the face and knocks his teeth out. Yeah. No, see, Home Alone, we're like, hey, this guy, I saw, like, he left footprints, I'm gonna leave, you know, a uh, wooden board underneath the window with some nails on it, so he steps on it, he's gonna fucking step on him and get tetanus. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty interesting with Death Wish 3, because I will say, this goes against pretty much all of my beliefs and my political stances, but it's still a fucking fun film. It's still fun. I think part of that is because of the giddiness with which this all occurs. There's almost, even though people die, even though there's a a rape scene, even though there's which wouldn't, lots wouldn't of, be wouldn't be death wish without a rape scene exactly it wouldn't death, be death wish which, without which one. by the way the rape scene in this film just literally tacked on for the sake of like we need a rape scene yeah it's not like the first two films or at least it kind of serves some semblance of a plot this one is literally just uh, it oh. happens and yeah. because it needs to yeah. it's a death wish film but. You know, even with all of that, this is a um, a goofy film, and it doesn't really take any of that seriously. Well, that's where I say it's kind of tongue, where it's tongue in cheek, because it's not, it's not serious. I don't know though, because like I'll, I won't agree. I don't agree with that in like the rape scene because that does seem like it's supposed to be somewhat. Serious, well, yeah. How, tongue in cheek. Well, how can you do a rape scene and not make it tongue in cheek? I mean, make it tongue in cheek. I mean, 
this film isn't really good at it. <laughs> I won't say that the like Death Wish two or three are good at making a rape scene feel like you're supposed to feel bad about it. It's more yeah. It's not really uncomfortable in Death Wish three. I mean, it's uncomfortable for me because I feel like it's not uncomfortable. Do you know what I mean? Like that no, sort of like. Like, this should be an uncomfortable scenario, but Death Wish 3 is kind of making light of it. Like, it's not. It, it, it's, it's weird. It's a weird feeling. But, but I mean, I don't know. It just seems like there's not much of, there's not, not a stakes in this film so much as, like, we just need to get Paul Kersey into the mood to kill people. Like we need to give him motivation to to like kill multiple people in this. There's like he doesn't need motive at this point. He doesn't, like he doesn't need motivation. He just does it. There's an he's obviously just, just reflex. There's a high body count in this. A lot of car explosions. I counted at least seven. <laughs> um, it's all very much like exaggerated to the point where we're even past Death Wish two levels of like things happening and they're unrealistic um i don't know i mean i don't like i said i don't necessarily agree with the political stance that this film takes you don't have to though. you don't have to that's that's what i was gonna I say mean, next. I, I mean i don't i don't i don't agree with it but i think you can have fun with it i think for for people who do have fun with it they're not agreeing with it but they're, they're thinking, like, this is so even, ridiculous even that Even if you it's... agree with it, even if you agree with the stance that vigilantism is alright, you're not going to watch this film like, yeah! It, you know? I don't know, though. I don't, I I don't know. necessarily I, I agree with that sentiment. No, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt on that one. I don't think anyone watching a film like this would be like, yeah, fuck it, yeah. There's you don't think very... that they're, like, in that final scene where... Basically, literally everything in New York City is blowing up, and people that are living in those apartments that have been oppressed for so long are now fighting back with baseball bats and shotguns. You don't think that there's people cheering at home saying, yeah, get that get that fucker? No, I think there are, but at the same time, I, I think it's such a ridiculous... It's portrayed in such a ridiculous way. Right, and, because... And, like, and done so ridiculously... You can even if you agree with the stance, you're gonna be like, "Yeah, it's a ridiculous way to portray it." But yeah, you know, I find it to be fun. But yeah, I think it, you should defend yourself. Nobody's thinking fucking robber breaks into your house or tiptoeing around. I'm gonna beat him with a baseball bat. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, and maybe in their daydreams they're thinking maybe. like that, but when it actually happens, they're not like. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give the benefit of the doubt on that one. So you think most of Death Wish 3 is really tongue-in-cheek that they're just having fun with that scenario? <laughs> because no, I, I will give I you will, that, I, I will give it... It is hard for me to believe in any film where somebody gets shot and they literally, like, pro- then jump and propel themselves off, like, a ledge or something to, to make me believe, like, somebody thought, like, oh, yeah, that would happen. <laughs> that would be that they're, that they're taking that seriously. They're like... That would look cool. Let's well, do that. Or like that looks like fun. No, I don't. I, 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 I literally don't believe it. Because when we see like James Bond films, when that kind of shit happens, when does that happen? It's in the fucking goofier Bond films that yeah. are meant to be kind of like tongue in cheek. When somebody gets shot, and instead of like just like falling off a ladder, they're like print like literally jump like thirty feet off. Like, ah! 
It's just, it's it's the same thing with this one. Like so, like when it comes to like shit like that, it's like, yeah. And then as our opening intro, when his car is getting jacked, they admit directly to him yeah, that they're stealing your car. They're not even trying. They're like, oh, we're trying to fucking steal this car. And he's like, well, what's the problem? It's my car. And like, <laughs> now you gonna die. It's not, it's not, I don't believe that they sat down and thought in in honesty and good earnestness that that was a brilliant, smart thing. I I have to believe again whether it's true or not. I like for my own sanity, I have to believe. Well, it, do you yeah. think though that like those were exaggerated scenarios to show that? Yes, in some in some situations, you need to take the law into your own hands. Yeah, I do. I mean, no, I think I think, I, think it's, I think it's trying to get a point across like that. Like, yeah, like if your car is getting like jacked and then somebody pulls this, see, I I can agree with something like that. If your car is getting you know vandalized and robbed, and then somebody pulls a knife on you, then yeah, you kind of probably do have your legal rights to stop that. Yeah. Um, I, I think, but at the same, true, but yeah. at the same time, it's the way it's done and portrayed is so over the top. It's not, again, it's not like at least in Death Wish One, even though the criminals in Death Wish One are very kind of smarmy and you know over the top. The whole the whole way everything that happens around it is portrayed is grounded enough in reality where it is believable. Yeah, you can believe Jeff Goldblum beating. Paul Kersey's wife saying he hates fucking rich cunts comes across as kind of corny, but you can believe in the moment of him saying that that a poor you who's you know feels like he's surrounded by rich people and he can't you know he's poor and he can't escape that that you know he would hold some kind of anger for these hardworking people, you know, True. Who, who could buy two dollars and fifty cents in groceries. So. True. All right, so I think we've talked enough about the political stance of Death Wish 3. Um, what's your favorite scene from this film? Because there's a lot of good stuff in this movie. There's there's a lot of funny and action-packed moments. Um, I'd say the end. The ending where the end. there's basically like... The, the war. 10 it's to a war. 15 minutes of... It's a yeah, war. Yeah. It's a war. I mean, it looks like Detroit. No, as we said, it's hard to believe that this film actually was filmed in Brooklyn. It, the film literally looks like it was shot in either Detroit or Chicago. Yeah, it's, it's it really... It doesn't look like it was filmed anywhere in New York City. No. I mean, there's a lot of burnt-out husks. There's a lot of, like, apartment buildings that really look really shitty. And, I mean, this is this was filmed in 1985. So, we weren't born then. I We don't have any inclination of what... New York City was, but when I was watching it, I didn't really feel like this was it's New York It's not that, all. you have to, like, it just, like, by looking at the area that it was shot in, it doesn't, again, it doesn't look like it was New York City. No, it doesn't. It doesn't look like any part of Brooklyn I've ever been in. Not really, no. I mean, it's, it's very, it's, I mean, it's surprising to see that a lot of those scenes were filmed in Brooklyn. Um, some of them were filmed in London, but most of them were filmed in New York City, and I'm, I'm, I was frankly surprised by that. But, you're right. That final scene, that it's like 15 minutes of um, great synth and guitar work, for Which, one thing, by Jimmy Page again. By Jimmy Page, <laughs> but um, more than that, with uh, any sort of like action scenes with Charles Bronson and um, the police chief from New York City, and 
all of that stuff, it really makes for an exciting and funny <laughs> final conclusion to this it's, film. Because it's the most over, it's like the most over the top idea of vigilantism. Like, yeah, shit's not getting done. I'm gonna grab my friend's Browning automatic, you know, machine gun, and fucking just run around. The, the neighborhood and gun like 60 hoodlums down. Yeah, and, and not only that, they, the fact that he's running around with it, well, sh- again, it's a, a, what he's using is a Browning 30 cal machine gun. Fit to be used on a bipod. He's running around with it in his fucking hands. Not only that, he's shooting it and holding it by the barrel with his one hand. Like, your hand, as you said, would be melted. <laughs> like, like you know, you'd be burned. You can't do, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it's, it's, I, just, it's just great watching him like do it because again, that's like something like people who make action films. What do you like? Wouldn't think about something that you wouldn't think about. It's just like, oh, that would look cool. Look cool if Arnold's running around, you know, doing that. Look cool if Bronson's doing that. But at the same time, yeah, it does look cool as he's making grimacing, making his face probably because he's burning his hand. He's Bronson's literally, literally every time he shoots, he looks like he's taking a shit. He's <laughs> grimacing so hard. But just, just the fact that like. That he's doing it, it's like, oh my, it's like, it's like, you, you're literally taking a simplistic, just, simplistic, simple, down-to-earth idea that the first film was and how it was portrayed, and you, you, you're literally blowing it up. Yeah. You, you've literally just hit the dynamite on, and you, you've taken it to the stratosphere where it never needed to go, but you're doing it because, goddamn, it's the mid-80s, and this is what you do in the mid-80s. Yeah, this is a completely ridiculous conclusion to this film. That all of a sudden the entire neighborhood is blowing up. Where getting firebombed? Yeah, firebomb. Like the Utes are running around on their motorcycles, throwing Molotov cocktails and firebombs, and just blowing up buildings. And it takes the NYPD forever to show up. Not only do they just when they do show up, it's just regular patrolmen. Where's their SWAT team showing up? Why is why is their SWAT team deciding not to show up to like? You know, with riot gear and stuff. To like, Because, yeah, at this point, it would be considered a riot. It's a riot. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And the weird thing about this is that, like, this was a, a group of people who really had avoided any sort of police presence because of their careful nature. Like, they, yes, they did violent things and they stole things and shit, but they, the police had nothing on them because, in general, Fraker made sure that they nothing could be linked back to them. So now, all of a sudden, because they're going after Paul Kersey, they're, like, throwing caution to the wind and just, like, riding out on motorcycles and blowing everything up that they possibly can. This is a a really weird scenario. Like, nobody would step and like, yeah, I saw that motherfucker throw, like, a... (laughs) Yeah, throw a grenade or a, a, a Molotov cocktail into a building. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense at this point because... And... I mean, not only that, the whole the whole idea of like muggers. This is li- this is literally like, this is like fist in the North Star, like Mad Max style level of like rebels and Utes just just take over and running rampant, doing whatever they want and, to. And because the neighborhood is nothing but poor old people, they're like oh we can't do anything, and they're waiting for you know either Mad Max or Kenshiro to show up to put an end to it. In this case, it's fucking Charles Bronson. Yeah, so literally what it is like it's so ridiculous. Like we went from like. You, like, you know, what you would consider, po- like, a possible scenario in New York City with with a crime that was going on in the 70s there, to just out of control Utes and Death Wish 2. Now it's a fucking whole clan of them. 
Yeah, because running ru- running rough shot, and everyone's just like, oh. you can kind of see where this is coming from. Because in 1985, you can kind of see where people would imagine in New York City if this was allowed to run rampant. It would that, never, it would never, like, no, but, but you can see where, you know, they're coming from is that, like, if, if it were, if no one had, had made sure that this was a, a, a system that was checked on, that you had a community that would just finally throw any law out the window and just do whatever they wanted I to know, do. I know, but they would be just, again, like, what's going on this film? Yeah, it, it's not really a vigilante. It'd be just, it would totally be justified. If your places are getting firebombed, yeah. then yeah, you might have, a, like, like the cops would be like, yeah, I shot that guy. Why? He firebombed that building. Okay. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> and they're not going to be like, well, we're going to take you. They'd be like, yeah, yeah, he's an yeah, asshole. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I, I don't, I don't necessarily it's agree, like, but it's, I think it's that so, it's so far on one, like one side of the scale. Like, you know, again, it's t- it's taking the whole, it's taking the grayness, like that you can take grayness away from the first Death Wish film. On, like, Absolutely, that stance of vigilantism. It's this this film more so than the last film was taking it so far in like one direction that there is no grayness. No, there is there is no. Well, what's right and what's wrong? This is literally like cops suck. They don't do their job, even when you you know. Yeah, because like I mean, with Death Wish One, you can think it's you don't necessarily need to come away from that film thinking Paul Christie was right that he needed to take those actions. You there is a possibility that an interpretation of that film would be like, no, he shouldn't have done that. You know, even though things were getting bad, he shouldn't have done that. Whereas Death Wish Three. Like, it leaves no room for the audience to say, like, no, Paul Kersey and anybody else living in that area shouldn't have done that. Because now you're siding with, the with like, the bad guys, and you're not seeing a victim's perspective. And not only that, they're so over the top. Yeah. And so cheesy, so corny. Again, their leader, Fraker, looks like he could have been a member of, like, the Road Warriors in wrestling. Because he's got a ridiculous... He's got, like, the most ridiculous fucking haircut. He's got... Regular hair, but then down the middle, shaved, and he's got his little markings. It's like, yeah, no, you're trying to look like Road Warrior Animal there with with your hair. What, what, are, you try, what are you trying to do there? Oh, it's no like <laughs> no thinking legitimate person who's not like some kind of fucking carny would do that. And that's what. So it's like, yeah, totally ridiculous. You can't take him seriously. No. But at least that the action scenes do look pretty good. Yeah, the no. explosions look good. The buildings they falling have down. To. Yeah. I mean, they have to. Um, yeah, the buildings falling down look really realistic, and I think that's probably because they are. No, they are. I know they're not. I mean, they're they're, pretty, not, they're definitely not models. They're pretty much burnt out buildings already. So they probably got paid by Brooklyn uh, themselves. Like, hey, burn this block down. Yeah, for take a, it down. Yeah, yeah. Take it down. We're gonna take it down anyway. Um, I think that they do a good job with that stuff. Um, yeah, and I mean, the the gun work looks pretty good. You know, sometimes when you watch, like, one of the 80s films, the gun work looks really fake. You you can tell, like, when they're shooting it, like, yeah, that's, like, a really fake yeah, gun. Prop, yeah. This is, this is not that. Well, and at the same, at the same time, it is, because there's a lot of times where they're, uh, there's one part where, like, no, it's like, there's two guys firing revolvers at him, and they fire, like, 20 shots off, and it's like, yeah, that's not gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, like, there's always that. That's, but... like, a, I mean, that's just not this film. That's most action films where, yeah. you know. Bullet count doesn't matter, you know. But uh, no, I I I do think the action in this film is enjoyable. 
It's the highest body count by far for a, a Death Wish film. By far. Yeah. Not even close. Not even close. Yeah. Um, I don't know the exact body count, but I know, I know it's not even close. I think it was like 39. Four, it was 49, but that was... Uh, when, we, when we watched the... <laughs> bless you. When we watched the YouTube video uh, on it, that was just Bronson's kills. I wasn't mentioning all the other kills, too. Right. And there was probably about 15 more people that died yeah. in the film. That like were, Bronson's love interest, who yeah. manages to slam into a, a car. She gets punched in the throat. By the villain, why, 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 it's, it's such a great. Okay, that's such a great scene. The fact that he's going on a date, he's being trailed by the villain. He knows he's being watched by the villain. That he's been causing. He's just in the scene before that question, like, should he go or not? Because he's been causing so much harm to the people there. So what's he do? He goes with his date. Goes out. They're gonna go for fucking. Well, after they just got done fucking, they're gonna go on a de- date. He's getting followed by the villain, and while they're on their way to a re- uh, restaurant, I'm presuming diner if it's open late. What what did he do? Oh, I gotta stop and check my mail at the fucking post office. What an unnecessary like unnecessary thing. So the villain shows up, punch rolls down the window, punches the chick in the throat, not which knocks her out, releases the parking brakes, so the car which was on the hill starts rolling down, and then as she's groggy, waking up, rolls through an intersection, hits another car, the car crumples up, both of them. And then they both fucking explode. And she's dead. And and fucking all Bronson can do is walk down and be like, oh no. And then he just walks away. He walks away. Does it get like, like, he's like, like, he's like numb to it now. Like, oh, yeah. Yep, whatever. You're, you're my fifth girl. This happened to me in Kansas City, you know. Yep. Fuck the chick and then, you know, she got punched in the throat and then her car exploded. I love that. It's just... It's crazy. It's fucking ridiculous. It's, in, in that sense, it's totally great, though. It's like, oh, yeah, you you were awesome. That's right. <laughs> what do you think about Bronson's role in this film? Because, like, in Death Wish 2, you could tell he doesn't really care that much. He's phoning it in? Yeah. He's phoning it in just as much here. Pretty much. He's very wooden. I mean, he's always been a wooden actor. Yeah. I mean, you can tell he just, like, again, like... Just listen to the intro. What are you doing? We're jacking this car. That's my car. There's no emotion. No. No, in in no scene, really. Not even emotion. emotion. It's no interest. Yeah. None whatsoever. Has none. What to be found whatsoever. Um, I don't think it's a detriment, though, because at the same time... He's not really supposed to. I mean, if you know what he's been through in the other Death Wish films... You'd probably expect it's, him to be nothing. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of expected like he has nothing left to give. So, I mean, I maybe that works for his character. I don't, I'm not saying it works, but at the same time, I don't think it's, like I said, I don't think it's a detriment just because it's like... It, it's just... like That's like a thing like a touch. Like, oh, this one is. Like, you, you know what you're getting. If you know Charles Bronson, you know you're getting a wooden badass. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, in, in that sense, you know, I don't, I don't have an opinion either way. Because like I said, it's, it's not anything memorable, but at the same time, it's, you know, I don't think his acting is, is something that, you're like, oh, it's, that ma- would make you look at this film and say it's bad. Yeah. Um, everybody else in this film, over the top of shit. And it's great for it. Especially the police chief. He's great. Just being like the total stereotypical asshole cop who's like... <laughs> when you ask, like, oh, I thought I had rights. You have no rights! 
Yeah, apparently, uh, apparently above the law, above yeah. the Constitution. Yeah. Doesn't really care. And not only that, I do love... Uh, I, I'm drawing a blank on his name. The guy that played Fraker. Gavin O'Hurley. He does a good job, I think, of being both maniacal and benign. Because at some points, he's very soft-spoken. But at the same time, it does come across as menacing. And at the same time, you see him being totally gleeful in his, like, ruthlessness. Yeah. So I love the that, you know... Which is like, but it's done in a way that is very like quintessential '80s cheese of being like over the top. Oh yeah. But I think it does. He works well. I think. I I think I think he's actually pretty enjoyable because again, like his little phone calls when he's calling Cursey to harass him, they're very soft spoken, very very subtle, but at the same time they're threatening. I mean, I think it comes. I think it's a disappointing that it comes down to such an easy thing as like Cursey using a rocket launcher against him it's great though i mean it yeah it is but at the same uh, i think that's like too easy there's no real suspenseful build uh, or like a payoff between of of a climax between the two it's more so like an easy out for cursey i don't know it just seems too easy and less Dangerous than really what it should be. They just like, oh, there's yeah. a rocket launcher there. Yeah, there's there. a rocket launcher. I'm shooting at him and he's dead. He catches on fire. I mean, I think it's, uh, I think it's fine just, just in the fact because that's like some, that's what I would expect out of a low rent 80s film. True. It's just like, and the face he makes when, before he gets shot with that thing. Oh my god. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Gr- just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's. Fucking great. Um, you know, um, Martin Balsam as uh, Bennett, the old man next door, basically. Yeah. I think he's fine. Um, he's not memorable, but I, I, I do think he's, you know, he's not anything offensive. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think as a, I actually think he's pretty decent as like a supporting character, just like you know, as an old, as an old, as an old war guy who's just like, yeah, I knew your friend too. And I mean, I absolutely have seen him in things, and he definitely was in a lot of older films. He was in Psycho, um, Cape Fear. Yeah, uh, he was in Twelve Angry Men, Cape Fear. Yep. Was he him? Yep. Well, yeah. The one. Yep. Cape Fear. Um. You know, he's definitely recognizable. I've seen him in a lot of things before, but just not, like, enough to pick him out. Well, I don't think he's probably got any big roles, but... Yeah. But I I think he does a good job. I think he's he's a likable character character in this, which is really the main thing, is that you want to root for those people who are being oppressed by the rest of the gangs. Uh, And I think he does that fine. Yeah, the nice Jewish, old Jewish couple, you know. They they love the fact that, that, uh, uh... Paul Kersey is setting up a trap that's going to put, like, a nail in somebody's head. You know. They, they, they have a good laugh about that. The man's wearing a tuxedo the entire time. Kersey's <laughs> outside. Kersey just shows up because he smells their stuffed cabbage. That smells... Who is like, still out? Stuffed cabbage. Yeah. And they, who invites themselves into dinner? Like, I thought it smelled really good. <laughs> I hope you're inviting me. Oh yeah, you can. Go. Yeah, what a nice man. Yeah, just invite yourself to this. Just invite yourself to. Maybe, dinner. maybe that's like more of like an old. Was that a thing? Of... Yeah, I mean, was that a thing? You show up, you compliment how good it smells, and <laughs> and they they invite you in because you you liked it. I don't know. Maybe that was the thing. I mean, I feel like now if someone was like, if I like show up to us, like, hey, 
your dinner smells good. You'd be like, yeah, yeah, thanks. Well, but uh, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. You weren't invited. Well, it's like that joke about company. I, yeah, no. Yeah, I didn't, you, used, yeah. you used to have company and you were like, oh, we got company. You turn off turn off the TV. Make sure. We, don't know, answer the phone. Don't answer yeah. the phone. We got company. And now it's like, oh, fuck. Who's here? God damn I know. it. Yeah, no, don't come to the door. You know, while you're in your car, text from the driveway. Like, yeah. I'm here. No, it's, yeah, I mean, it's totally true. And maybe that maybe that was the thing in the 80s. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Should ask our parents. Like, hey, anyone just yeah. ever show up? I'm like, yeah. hey, I'm stopping to stop you, by. You, yeah, come over. We were cooking some dinner. Were you excited about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got the Entenmann's Donuts. I love that bit. I, I'm drawn. I feel bad for stealing that right now, but I can't remember the comedian's name. But that's really that's a great bit. Yeah. Just because being a New Yorker, I can totally relate to the Entenmann's thing. Like, yeah. Oh, I got Entenmann's donuts. You don't want to give them up just to anybody. I know. No, you eat the shitty muffins. Yeah. You don't eat. Yeah. No. That's that's funny. Same thing. It'd be like Fryhoffers too. Be like, you eat the shitty Keebler Elf cookies. You don't eat those Fryhoffer chocolate chips. Those <laughs> for company. It's totally true. Alright, so so what would you give? We didn't talk about the music. We didn't talk about Not it. Not only that, we, we didn't guess, we, we didn't, didn't talk about it a little bit. Not only that, we didn't even talk about the leading lady. The leading lady. <laughs> You're using that <laughs> loosely. Loosely. Well yeah, absolutely. To be fair, the film gives her second billing. Yeah. Why I don't know. Because she's she shouldn't have it. Catherine is her name. That's Cat- she is a public defender. Played by Deborah Raffin. Yeah. I have no idea what else she's been in. She's a public defender for Paul Kersey that he eventually kind of falls for. For no reason. Yeah. And she falls, no, not, no, not that he falls for, she falls for him for no true, reason. True, She shows up unannounced at his He neighbor. really does not seem to give many shits about her. No. Well, I mean, at He'll this point. sleep with her, Sure. I mean, at this point, he's had a wife that's been raped and murdered. His daughter's been raped and murdered. Um, his girlfriend from the last film leaves him because she finds out he's a, a fucking a killer. Um, so I mean, yeah, no, there's. God, she is so boring. Yeah, absolutely. She's even worse than Bronson's wife. In the I'm last not really film. sure what they were going for with her. Were we supposed to find her interesting? Because she's did not. you need did you need a love interest? Yeah, he really didn't. Th- th- was, There's no does point her, to it. Does her death mean anything to like justify his vigilant? No, it, no, you don't. He's gonna do that stuff whether she dies already, or not. He already was doing. He it. obviously does not care that she died. He he literally, literally that was. scene where she blows up <laughs> and he walks away is probably one of the funniest scenes in this film because. He really does not seem to care. It's just like, it's yeah. just like wow, yep, that's what happens to every woman that's in my life. So, <laughs> I don't know, man. That 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 scene alone is just really tone deaf. Because she blows up, he sees it, and he just walks away. There's not he's like a sad song. Yeah, because he's like, shit, cops gotta come. Yeah, there's no, there's no sad music, there's no nothing. It's just like, and there's not really even a mention of her later. Like I'm no. doing, I'm doing this for Catherine. No, it's totally dropped after that. Yeah, totally it's done. Yeah, done. Yeah. Who? Yeah. She gets top billing for yeah after Bronson. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. pretty crazy. I mean, I don't know. It's it's totally unnecessary, it, and it's not well crafted. That's for sure. It it's it's great though. Yeah, it's it's just it adds the a, pa- the pantsuit she's wearing is great. Uh, 
the soft focus lens every time, like when they're like doing like a love, like a romantic scene. Like they have literally normal focus and lens on Bronson goes to her soft focus. Like like oh yeah, yep. And they played like the uh, sitcom like romance music in the background. Oh, it's so cheesy. It's great. Absolutely, it's awful. It's great. It's just like oh Jesus Christ. Like who, <laughs> like I don't understand who would have sat there and thought like you know what. We can't just have a normal dialogue between these two. Soft focus lines. Yeah. Isn't that kind of mid, like, 60s Star Trek level? No, 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 no. Soft focus line. It's necessary. We need to make sure she looks like a beauty. But don't you have her in a fucking pantsuit? Soft focus lens. She's going to be, you know, she's going to be beautiful. Bronson's going to be head over heels for her. But you're not going to know that because he's wood. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, speaking of that stuff, like, the soundtrack it's is, fucking ridiculous. is re- really off the wall. We talked about it in Death Wish 2. It's not as bad as Death Wish 2 in this one, I don't think. No, I don't think it is. I mean, it definitely but, has a few different scenarios, like, uh, different soundtracks for each kind of style, but... The theme is nowhere near as good as Death Wish 2. No. Death Wish 2's theme's amazing. It's kind That's, of a j- free jazzy sort of... Improv. Well, as, as I was telling you, it's, it literally sounds like they could have hired uh, Yuji Ono in the Lupinetic Five from Japan, who's uh, Yuji Ono, for those of you who don't know, has done the Lupin theme since 78 and constantly kind of retweaked it into something different each time. That's kind of his whole shtick has do, been doing the music for Lupin. And it literally sounds like the theme for this movie was done by him. Like he took the Lupin, like they took the Lupin theme and kind of changed it up a little bit. I mean, I still like it, but it's still nowhere near. I think that I, I do. It comes across like, especially in the opening, it comes across as more like quintessential like '80s cheese, like with the techno drums and just how yeah. it's all framed and everything. It's like, oh yeah. Whereas in like Death Wish Two, Jimmy Page does such a good job with that intro. You think like you could be in for a great film. You're not, but you could be. Yeah, like it, it's pretty like badass. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here. And there's a lot of different styles of this music. There's a lot of bongos. There's a lot of, like, wind, wind chimes. Ch- it's Techno it's, drums. It is all over the place, but not in the same way that Death Wish 2 is, where, like, you have a different soundtrack for every single scene. And this film, at it's least, more sticks to, yeah, like, yeah. three different kinds. Yeah. Uh, um, we do. You do get Jimmy Page back again on this one, doing... Uh, yeah. So, not writing it, but doing, like, the... Guitar and synthesizer, apparently. He does, like, the... Which they did bring back from Death Wish 2, that, yep, that that sting from, like, the horror scenes where you think, like, did John... Like, did they stumble across John Carpenter? Like, did John Carpenter sneak into the studio one day while they were, like, doing the soundtrack? He's like, I got a really good synth idea. He's like... And then just ran out. I'm like, get out of here, Carpenter! We don't need your shit! Yeah. I do love those synth drums, though. The very those techno drums. Techno yeah. drums. It's great. You feel like Phil Collins is like doing the in the air like drum roll at the end. <laughs> I love it. But no, it, 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 I do like the theme. It's not like I said, not as good as Death Wish Two, but the soundtrack is all as all over. But again, like I said, I do love the fact they reuse the Death Wish. Literally, it's not even like like they re-record it. It's reused. Yeah. Just literally, just like. Plucked. It's great. It's absolutely great. It's fun. It adds to this, the entire 
ensemble. Yeah. The, so. myth- the mythology. That's right. Anything else you got? No, I think that's about it. I think that's about it. I think we covered everything. No, no. Um, unlike the first two Death Wish films, there's no new big star to come out of this. No. Death Wish 1, we had the absolutely immaculate and impeccable and unbeatable Jeff Goldblum. And Death Wish 2, we had the great Lawrence Fishburne. Yep. The third. We don't have anyone like that in this film. Not really, no. No. no nothing big. I mean, a lot of these probably went on to do more 80s action films. Um, but, like, as a big star, no. Nothing, nothing like that. Nobody that would go on to anything bigger and better. No. So, um, out of 10 75, uh, caliber bullets, what would you give Death Wish 3? I'm glad that you actually used that. You want to know why? <laughs> why? Seven and a half. Oh, seven and a half. That makes sense. I'll give it a seven and a half. Um, look, I understand. I'm, I agree with you. It's not a good movie, but I like it. It, it. This is a very enjoyable bad movie, and I think it, it's something. It, it's something to behold, and I love the fact that it is in that like it's in that '80s genre of action cheesy. I mean, not, I'm not even the, like I said before in the pocket. I'm not even the biggest fan of cheesy films, but this is like done so in that right vein and tone for me that it works so well. I know it's not done it's not a great it's not a great film, but I have a great time watching it. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun at the end to watch Charles Bronson running around with a fucking Browning and just mowing people down. Just just, you know, unabashedly. Just yeah. It's great. It's absolutely great. And um I think Unlike Death Wish 2, which is a very cheesy 80s film. Not as much as like a cheesy 80s action film, but it's a cheesy 80s film. This is interesting. This has enough comedic moments, enough new direction and new ideas in it that it's, it feels fresh. It feels like something that that's new. Whereas Death Wish 2 is a total bad retread of the first film. They take everything from that was good in the first film and then just shit and ruin it. Ruin it. So I would say, no, this is... A seven and a half for me. I, I like this film a lot. Um, like I said, I don't. Th- I, I agree with you. I don't think it's a. By that stretch, it means it's a great film, or even a well-made film. But I think it what it does is enjoyable, and I I think at that value, I can appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I think I would probably give it a seven out of ten. Um, like you said, it, it's very enjoyable in that it's it's funny. You have a lot of fun with it. Um, I think it's more fun than Death Wish 2. I don't particularly remember what I gave Death Wish 2. Yeah, five and a half. Could be. But, I mean, I think this is a I, lot I, more I, fun. I think I, gave it a, I think I gave Death Wish 2 a six and a half. Yeah. And that might be way too generous. I mean, I think this is a lot more fun. You're going to have more fun with it. Um, from everything from the soundtrack to the to the action itself, there's a lot. No, like we said, a lot more body count to it. Um, and you, you get... I, like, I, I had a lot of chuckles about it. And, like, I think I may have to dock it some points because um, Paul Kersey says he's going out for ice cream and he buys a... Oh, an, thank a, you for a, a bringing chocolate that bar, uh chocolate ice cream bar instead of that's actual not, chocolate. Yeah, that's not fucking ice, ice cream. cream. That, yeah. That, that's what's known as a novelty, you son of a bitch, yeah. you know? At least, like we mentioned, it's not a fudge sickle. I, well, when he bought it at first, it looked like a fudge sickle. I'm yeah. like, that's like the worst thing in the world to buy. If you like, and I'm gonna, I might anger some people on this, if you like fudge sickles, you're, de- you're dead to me. Yeah. They're like, the those are like the most 
worst abominations ever created because they don't taste like fudge. They don't taste like chocolate. They, no. It's just ice that somebody put dirt into. It's well, just... What he actually orders is like a ch- is a chocolate covered vanilla ice cream bar, which is acceptable. But still, I can accept that, but, but it's still... not ice cream. We can't call it. You're going out for ice cream. No, you got yeah, you got no yeah, bar. yeah. And it's not even like it's a claw knife or anything. No, no, it's just a regular. And he get, grabs one for the kid that was there too, because when he punched the one guy earlier, he's like, "Awesome!" And so when the kids at the store is like, "Here's an ice cream bar," because he thought it was cool when I punched that dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But other than that, yeah, I'd have to give it like a seven. I, I mean, I think it's a good movie. Um, in that you know, it's a lot of fun to watch. Not not particularly what like quality wise good. Um, but I had a lot of fun with it. Definitely liked it a lot more than Death Wish 2. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Death Wish 4 and 5 have in store for us. If it's more of the same like Death Wish 3, where it's like a lot of fun, it's really cheesy, but it's still fun. Um, I, I'll look forward to that if it's, if that's the case. Nah, it could totally be like, uh, soft, like five and six and seven, where it's just like, yeah, sh- it's just shit. <laughs> yeah. It's just shit happening. Yeah. I mean, uh, I can't wait to, I can't wait to check it out because we're, we're doing Death Wish 4 next, next week, which is, uh, actually, um, Death Wish 4 The Crackdown. Got to so add, add a subtitle. That's now. the first one that we got a subtitle on. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see what that has in store for us. Uh, and unlike what like you were feeling when we did Saw, I don't feel like I'm burnt out on this yet. I mean, I think that... Well, to be fair, there's seven films in Saw. And that's true. Five, only five in this. I right? mean, I think that like I'm still open to where <laughs> Death Wish could go from here. Because Death Wish 3 has revitalized me. Like, there's some fun to be had in this. And I hope that it kind of goes that route. So, I guess we'll see. We'll yeah. see next week. When we do Death Wish 4. Yeah. Be interesting. That's right. I guess, like I said, I haven't seen it in forever, so I, I can't be bothered to remember. It'll be kind of new to you again. Yeah, it'll, yeah, 4 and 5 are going to be new to me again. Like a coming to Jesus moment. That's coming right. to Bronson moment. Um, Thinking ahead, we are open to suggestions for uh, films after we finish the Death Wish series because we don't have anything planned yet. Obviously, we have things that we could cover, and we have ideas. But if you have anything that you want to see covered, let us know on our email, bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. We're absolutely open to suggestions. And we plan on doing a couple of one-off episodes before we get into any more series. Because we've done a lot of series uh, recently, and we want to we wanna do some one-offs before doing anything more serious. So, uh, let us know what you want to hear covered. Also... Um, you can catch us on iTunes. Uh, we're Blood and Black Rum Podcast on there. Uh, just search for us. We really appreciate it if you leave us a nice review, subscribe to us. Um, that's That way you can get all of our episodes. Make sure you uh, are up to date with all of that. We're also on SoundCloud. That's where our episodes post first. Uh, that's where RSS feed comes from. So find us on SoundCloud, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Uh, follow us on there. Repost us. We really appreciate that as well. We're on Facebook, um, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Just search for us on the Facebook page and uh, like us. You know, uh, you can have discussions with us with us on there. We also have a group on Facebook. So if you uh, um, 
actually want to have discussions about specific movies or anything like that, it's probably best to post it in the group. Um, we're on Twitter. It's at Blood and Black Rum. Um, that way you can kind of tweet us. You can retweet some of our uh, episodes that we put up there. Um, we do promote a lot of our Ace Podcast Network uh, partners. So definitely check out the Twitter account. We're on Patreon as well if you want to donate to us. Um, that is monthly. So if any donations you, you put in, um, make sure that you realize that they are a monthly donation. So if you donate a dollar, it's going to be a dollar a month. Um, if you do that, though, we do have certain prize packages. Uh, a dollar will just get you a mention on the podcast. Five dollars will get you um, to uh, a, an editing session where you can pick five films that we cover for the podcast. And $10 will actually get you a script reading of a film of your choice. So it's kind of fun. Um, if you are interested in doing that, please donate to us on Patreon. Obviously, we don't we don't uh, um, have to have it. Um, we are free. You can listen to us anytime. But if you want to donate, we really, really do appreciate it. And it helps us with the funds for the podcast because we, we put those out on our own. Um. Other than that, uh, we thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with a continuation of our Death Wish series with Death Wish for the Crackdown. And uh, for me and Martin, we thank you for listening and hope you'll join us back for the next episode. <clears throat> Take, Take care. care.